Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Hey Veritas, welcome to the Equipping Podcast. This is Michael, and I am joined here today by two special guests from Veritas, Iowa City, Mark Aaron and Jeff Dodge. What's up, guys? How's it going? Doing well. Glad you guys are here. Good to see you today. No, you can't see it because you're listening on the podcast. But uh, love these guys. They have been um, instrumental in uh, so much of what's happened at Veritas Cedar Rapids by God's faithfulness and God's grace, and we are just really grateful for these guys. So thanks for joining us today. Um, so we're going, we're in the middle of a podcast series right now that we've titled Thoughts on Genesis and the Culture, uh, How the World Began and Where It Is Today. So we are in this podcast kind of trying to figure out, all right, now we know biblical truth on how the world was created, but it seems like the world is in a very different place and thinking very differently than from a biblical worldview, obviously. So just trying to touch on maybe some hotter topics uh, that we, in a 35-minute sermon, we, don't, we can't get to all those issues. And we won't even be able to get to all of them in a podcast today. But uh, before we jump into the topic of gender identity today, uh, Mark, what is something that you have been loving or learning lately? This is a great season of life for me. Uh, my kids range from oldest is 20, youngest is 10. So we have six kids. They're in the teen years. We're having a blast. We've been hanging out a lot on the front porch. At the Every night just kind of ends with everyone just hanging out. And uh, it's so fun. Such a blast to be living with what feels like all my best friends. So they're, it's, a, it's a, a good season of life. It's crazy. It's busy, but great. That's awesome. All right. What about you, Jeff? Well, I'm I'm just loving the fact that Mark describes those teen years as such a blast. You know, <laughs> know. like that should be hope for a lot of parents I out know. there. All but we could just stop right now because that that's a lot of hope in that. But uh, no, I've been um, on the reading end of things. I I enjoy biographies, enjoy history, um, so been taking in several of those. But then recently uh, started to read this book, A Burning in My Bones, which is actually um, a biography of Eugene Peterson. Mm. And, you know, just a, a true pastor, an example of a pastor, I think, that, that is incredible for all of us to look to. Um, and I've, I've just enjoyed it a ton. So anyway, there's another book I'm going to talk about in a little bit here, but that pertains more to our topic. But as far as just food for my soul, uh, it's been awesome. That's sweet. All right, guys. So we're going to jump into a... Um possibly a difficult topic, maybe for a lot of our listeners, maybe you're you're tuning in to this podcast because you saw what the topic was, and maybe there's some wounds, there's some pain uh, related to uh, gender identity, right? So there are, um, maybe you have family members that have struggled with this, and so we know it's a, a maybe a sensitive topic, but we want to approach all of our topics that we talk about from a biblical perspective. So, um, to help our audience learn a little more or kind of know where we're going, when we talk about gender identity, what are we talking about? Maybe define some terms and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I, uh, I want to say right off that it's, it's one of those topics that you could look in a, 
the vast majority of systematic theologies, you know, book, books that are written to describe what the Bible teaches and not find this topic because it was never a challenged idea. There was, it was self-evident, right, that, mm. that there was such a thing as gender and Christian or not Christian, people just kind of agreed of, of what gender just is. Now we have to go back and define our terms, like you're saying, Michael. So what I did was I, I went around and just looked at different, uh, you know, sources to see how are they defining this gender identity. Well, here, here's what I got from the Planned Parenthood uh, website. So assigned sex is a label that you're given at birth based on medical factors, including your hormones, chromosomes, and genitals. Most people are assigned male or female, and this is what's put on their birth certificate. Gender identity, you know, d making a distinction then mm -hmm. between that assigned sex and gender identity is how you feel inside and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, and personal appearance. It's a feeling that begins very early in life. Mm. So all of a sudden, just the idea that uh, biology, that objective evidence no longer defines gender, right? Gender identity is... is uh, disputing that and saying, no, it's a feeling inside. So you, when you ask the question, you know, what are we talking about when we're talking about gender identity, you, you kind of have to, according to who, you know, are, are we talking about how the church thinks about it right. or how the culture thinks about it? And, and so the idea that your personhood is connected to your sexual orientation, your desires, mm -hmm. your desires define you mm -hmm. and what makes you you or as they come out they just say your your feelings how you feel about yourself defines who you are mm -hmm. you know that that's how the culture sees it and of all the things that the christian church found itself kind of being at odds with the secular <laughs> culture in which it existed this would never have been one of those front lines you know kind of lines in the sand or whatever mm -hmm. the, the, but yeah. now exactly right what mark's saying is now all of a sudden we're having to say, oh wait, are you talking about what the Bible teaches? What we have yeah. from our Christian worldview? Or are we talking about? So that's what that's what makes this cultural moment so hard for Christians is because do we use the terms like cisgender? Mm -hmm. um, okay, there's you know, you, the idea that oh yeah, your personal identity and gender corresponds with your birth sex. Mm -hmm. That's cisgender. So I was even looking at cisgender, you know, and 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 it. It says, it uses as it in a sentence, and this is the sentence that Google uses it. This newfound attention to the plight of black trans folks by primarily cisgender allies is timely and necessary. <laughs> like, use that in a sentence. <laughs> and here comes this just wave of right. this strong agenda that includes, now we have the plight of black trans folks. Like, this sentence would have been non- Unintelligible. Unintelligible to someone um, 30 years ago. <laughs> sure. So I guess even using the term cisgender, it puts us as believers in a situation where just even using the term is complicated mm -hmm. because it acknowledges that we think that that's even a category. Right. Yeah. Which makes this kind of conversation when we're talking like when we're not struggling to identify what this conversation is about, but we're going, man, this is a complicated 
topic to even define. Right. And for Christians, this has not historically been even an issue, right? And so how, when you think of the complicated nature of this, how have churches, and probably more recently, how have churches um, approached this topic, um, maybe historically, but probably more recent history? Yeah, we can't go historically. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> because, yeah. the, you know, again, no, nobody's writing on it. Nobody's speaking on it. You know, we don't have a lot of shoulders to stand on, right? We just have peers because it's all come at us in a tsunami yeah. over, overnight kind of historically. But, yeah, I do think in today, as you look around, um, you know, you've got, in general, churches who maybe don't hold the Bible to be authoritative, um, I, I guess kind of caving and just going along with that wave of understanding of gender and endorsing that worldview, et cetera. So you've got tons and tons of just, if you're asking churches in general, mm-hmm. many, maybe most churches, as you just see them peppered around any given city, embracing it wholeheartedly. Then maybe on the other end of that, you've got some uh, more conservative, certainly fundamentalist type churches who are wanting to come out fighting right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they want to stake their claim on a biblical worldview and are intolerant of even the conversation and so are coming up fighting. And so trying to figure out how do we stand, you know, for grace and truth with Jesus, you know, promoted grace and truth. How, how do we stand firmly in truth uh, while having grace as the virtue that, you know, is a hallmark of, of God's church? That's, that's the... So you see, you're kind of saying, Compromise on the one hand yeah. or outrage on the yeah. other. Right. And I've seen in in our stream of mm-hmm. church that the air of moving toward outrage and some of the things that that often leads to, I think, is, is just kind of the political uh, action, mm-hmm. kind of getting, using the pulpit to kind of get Christians rallied toward, you know, against we need to fight the culture on this. And and so I guess my question in that is how do you, how is, if it's compromise on the one hand, outrage on the other, but we have the kind of the biblical approach of truth and love or mm-hmm. something like that, uh, truth with grace, however you want to say it, w- what are some distinctives of that that you see? Mm-hmm. Well, that I mean, make it different from outrage. Yeah, I, f- I feel like one of the s- safeguards that we have as as both Veritas churches is we just teach through the Bible. You know what I mean? So so it's it's a rare thing that we even feel the freedom to go on a cultural hobby horse because mm. we're, we're constrained by just the Bible. And but so here we are. We're going through Genesis. We open Genesis and we realize, oh whoa, we've got a hot topic <laughs> right here. Not because we're trying to pick a fight. Well, because we're faithful to read through the Bible. We didn't pick Genesis so that we could have this fight. You know what I mean? There's a whole lot about Genesis we need to learn outside of this. But what I'm saying is then when we do encounter truth from the Scripture, I think we have to be convictional. I think we have to be uncompromising, bold in what we believe, because there's hope in it, right? I mean, aligning ourselves with the Creator God is always a good thing. There's always hope and grace in that. While simultaneously we look out at real people, real families, into real eyes, where these matters have hit their family, these, mm-hmm. their neighbors, their loved ones, right? And so how do we both be uncompromising in what we believe Genesis is teaching, uh, specifically about gender, 
And then putting our arms around people and saying, but man, I know it gets complicated in the trenches. I know when all of a sudden it's your daughter or your son or your yeah. neighbor, how, what, what, what pronouns do you use? All those kind of things. And that's where I'm saying all of a sudden now we become shepherds rather than just proclaimers, you know what I mean? Sure. Of, of truth. Yeah. But, so mm-hmm. maybe to ask your question a little bit differently there, Mark, like if, if people have taken this either, or churches have taken this compromise kind of accepting you know, approach or fighting intolerance, um, outrage. Why should the church be a place where somebody could come and struggle with with this topic, this gender ide- identity in general, or and specifically gender identity? A person who's struggling with gender identity should run to the church mm. for the same reason that someone would want to run to high ground when you see a tsunami coming. Hmm. I was thinking about, was it Proverbs 18 where he says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Hmm. And you even mentioned, it's funny, you, you even said uh, like a tsunami overnight that, that came. It, it's just like the chaos of culture is, is just sweeping people in and it's, it's tearing everything. And I think that the church is, a, is high ground. It's, it's the only place where you can experience uh, truth, you know, and, and, and I think, is it, uh, Tim Keller talks about truth and grace, like truth without love is harsh legalism, but love without truth is empty sentimentality. The church has both, and you know, you know someone loves you when they can tell you the truth. So if you only have just approval all the time of everything I do, you approve of. Uh, you, you're not loving me. Um, you and this this is a great distinction that I think is helpful that Rosaria Butterfield makes of acceptance without approval. You know, like we we can accept anyone for where they're at. We can love them, but we don't approve of what they do. So we may not call our friend a uh, a gay Christian because we don't accept those terms. That's not a thing because that even, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we may say my friend who identifies as, you right. know, or, or fill in the gap. Like it's, there are ways even in, in how we speak to yeah. speak truthfully, but in love, does that make sense? Well, I think the reason that the church is exactly, I love that that Proverbs 18 reference, that high ground, it's, it's beautiful because what we discover when we open our Bibles in Genesis is our identity is actually not supposed to be in what we believe our gender to be inside or outside or whatever. It's to be, there's a creator God. <laughs> yeah. He is our identity. You know what I mean? And so you open your book yeah. and you're confronted right from the start. Oh, actually, this isn't about you. This is about yep. God. And are you yeah. in right, you know, relationship with him? And so for all of us, the Bible is a great corrective, you know, but I think that's the reason there should be hope from God's church to those who um, are, are being swept along by these tides is, oh, come and orient yourself toward the creator God in the beginning, God, right? Oh, that's just one of the things that he wants to turn right side up in your life. <laughs> what you're going to realize is, you know, because when, when you are battling that, I, I would think in, in our secular culture, your identity at that point 
that is your fixed point. That is your North Star. And I'm going to defend mm-hmm. that. And I'm going to proclaim that. And I'm going to wear that. And I'm going to march for that. And when you come into the Christian church, I hope what you're finding is every one of those placards and every one of those slogans or whatever mm-hmm. diminishes away and it falls away because we're like, oh no, there's a God that governs the whole universe. And it, I want to find my, my rightful place in his world. Without truth, without the church, the proclamation of truth, the, the what Paul... Paul says to Timothy is the pillar and found it the, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. You end up in, uh, you know, I picture, um, I listened to Seth Dillon, the CEO of, of Babylon B was on Joe Rogan. And it was a fascinating podcast because he, Seth Dillon did a great job of defending like on, on uh, they're talking about abortion and, and Joe Rogan is, he referenced Bill Burr and he's like, yeah, you know, Bill Burr uses is part of his, his comedy routine where he's talking about baking a cake. And, you know, if I bake this cake and, and uh, you come and you pull it out of the oven and it's, you know, it's half baked and you throw it on the ground and you say, well, it wasn't a cake. And you're, and, you say, well, it would have been, you know, and Bill Burr kind of, I haven't listened to the, the bit. I'm saying what I heard uh, uh, Rogan and, um, and uh, Seth Dillon talking about. But it, it, just, it just reminded me, and they get in this whole discussion on Joe Rogan saying, well, of course it's wrong to kill the baby at nine months. Of course that's, of course that's wrong. But you can't say at you know, at this point, he kind of goes back to the beginning. But you just realize in that conversation that this is where it's so important for Christians to understand Genesis 1 through 3 Absolutely. and to be able to articulate that that Joe Rogan, his feet are firmly planted in midair. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing, it's like C.S. Lewis in his chapter on in Mere Christianity on right and wrong as a clue to the meaning of the universe, mm-hmm. where he says... All that you're left with in a, in a world of relativist, relativistic morality is, I don't like that. That's all you can, that's all Joe Rogan can say is, well, I don't like it when mm-hmm. nine-month-olds are, are taken out of the woman. And yeah, there's no off. reference point. There's, there's no, no reference, right, right. All right, so let's, let's talk about that reference point, all right? So let's talk about kind of the, the foundation. You, I mean, you obviously referenced Genesis here. We're doing this podcast about Genesis. So, like, what would you say to our churches um, from a pastoral shepherding perspective, um, like, in regard to how do you love people who maybe it's a family member, somebody that's they're close to, how do you love people struggling with, with gender identity? And when I say get back to the foundation, obviously we want to approach it from a biblical foundation. So how does the Bible play into how you would love somebody in this process? Well, I mean, I think one, accepting the fact that it is true that they are struggling with that. You know what I mean? Like Mm. We live in a broken world. We have read Genesis 3, and we realize the rippling effect of the fall. You know, we talk about total depravity, meaning every part of us has been impacted by depravity. It, it seeps into every part of our being, right? And so the fact that somebody would, at a foundational level, question their gender and have that, uh, first of all, we say, oh, totally. I get that. And in fact, people have asked those metaphysical questions since the dawn of time, right? So so one, not, not having this immediate 
intolerance, but an understanding heart, but then not just patting them on the back or patting them on the head and say, oh, we affirm you, but to say, actually, man, I just want to point you to the God of the universe that actually speaks into this. This is not an abstract idea. This is not something that we can create. There's a creator. And I, man, I just want to introduce you to him, right? I mean, so yeah, I think the first thing is that listening heart to, to actually admit it's legit, but yeah. it's broken. So yeah. I, w- I would say to on this, um, how to love people struggling with their identity. First of all, truth and grace is you have to understand the truth and you cannot be complicit in some child's mutilation, destruction, harming themselves. You, you have to be crystal clear on if you are a teacher, I would refuse to read a book that causes a child to explore their gender identity. I, I think that Jesus, you have to hear the words of Jesus saying, it would be better for you to be have a millstone tied around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Mm-hmm. You better be crystal clear on what it is that God has created, male and female, and not compromise, mm-hmm. but also with the same fervor that you hold to truth, understand that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, if you've in the same way that if you find someone that's struggling with anorexia and totally. it will break your heart at how they're hurting themselves and, and, and someone who struggles with self-harm, you just you're not coming at them yelling, but you are coming with love and but moving an appeal t- towards yes. truth. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But I'm saying yeah. there will be we will stand before God mm-hmm. and give an account. Yeah. And and I I mean, think of the lawsuits 30 years from now. For all those kids that took hormone blockers and that were prescribed these medicines and they're, you know, maybe getting cancer and dying in their 30s and 40s. I just think much less. I'm talking about lawsuits on earth, uh, but I'm saying much less standing before God. So I, I think that how you love people is is you have to know the truth in order to move toward them with true mm-hmm. Jesus kind of compassion. Mm, that's good, Mark. That's really good. So, like, what makes what makes a biblical perspective uh, a more reliable place to discover who somebody really is? So we've said, like, you know, like feelings. If if we're attaching our identity to our feelings or our what's fluid in our world right now, like, man, that's who I think I am, how I feel in the moment. That just seems like a very dangerous place to, and a way to live your life, right? Uh, I mean, man, just so volatile place to live your life. So what makes a biblical perspective uh, a more reliable place than that volatility? Well, I mean, the reason we do uh, what what I described is grabbing a book of the Bible and working our way through is because we believe that it is the very Word of God, that the God of the universe not only exists, but He has spoken, right? And so it is the foundation of our truth, and otherwise we're, yes, kind of searching and and looking within ourselves and our internal barometer is broken because of the fall. So we have to look to God to, again, not not turn us upside down, but to turn us right side up, right, in in all of our thinking. And so this is just one of those ways um, 
that we, we have to look to the objective truth of the scriptures mm-hmm. to guide us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield has a great. She she talks about, um, you know, our our sex gender is given, not chosen, but it's teleological, not psychological. Mm-hmm. And I think about how Can you define that yeah a teleological bit? is it's like telos is the end, the mm-hmm. purpose, and and so it's one of the five classical arguments for God's existence, teleological, that there is a purpose, yeah, there purpose. is a design, there's a the illustration of the watchmaker. If you're walking in the woods and you come across the watch, uh, you don't assume that the gears and everything just randomly got there. It, the watch implies a watchmaker. There's design here. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a, the Bible tells us about the telos. It tells us about the design, the end, the purpose for which we are created. And so when it comes to religion, what are the two things you have to be right about and in what order? One, you have to be right about God. Because if you're wrong about that, who cares what else you get right? You, you have to get that right. So one is God, and then two is me. Mm-hmm. Who am I? So the Bible tells us the creator-creature distinction, the imago Dei. What are the foundational things you need to know about Genesis 1 through 3? Uh, what does it tell us in the first verses? And it's, I was created. I was created in his image. I was created male or female. Those three fundamental things answer that's it. That's it. That's the concrete bedrock foundation that we stand on. And so, and it the, doesn't take a great, you know, Hebrew scholar no. or a systematic theologian. That is so evident in right. a cursory reading of Genesis 1. Those three truths come through yeah. glaringly and then are supported and strengthened throughout the rest of the Bible. So you, and so thinking about that too, why, why, what makes a biblical perspective so reliable is I mean, think about it, even Genesis 1 through 3, it answers the three worldview questions, right? Every worldview has to answer three questions. How did we get here? What went wrong? How do we fix it? And everybody's asking those questions. And everybody, so if you're a Marxist, how do we get here? Uh, Big Bang, evolution, what went wrong? Well, it's a power struggle. Mm -hmm. The rich ruling, the poor, the... You know, racial, what all the things we're, we're seeing there. Uh, how do we fix it? Well, we need to get, you know, the wealth from the rich to the poor, make everyone middle class. That worked like a charm in yeah. the last century, right? And so we have answers for those questions. Um, and so I, I think that that's where um, it, and I, I think it helps to go in conversations with my neighbors and friends on this topic I usually try to take it back to those questions, and I just start asking questions like, wow, you are so passionate about social justice. What is justice? Mm-hmm. Where, where did you get that idea? What, why do you care so much about it? And then if you just keep asking why enough, it will get back to the question of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is he? Who are you? Who is he? So, Mark, you've given us some uh, a good segue into when we think because uh, i mean we can think about uh this topic from a really high level right and we want to keep digging down deeper and deeper and getting more ground level so um 
asking why. So if, if parents, you got a, a child that's struggling with this, keep asking why. The, the why question is great to ask, right? But what are some other just practical things when we get real life people in our congregation that are trying to wrestle with this, trying to sh- love people with this, um, obviously not knowing specific context and specific situations going on. Um, what would you say to people in our church that have family members struggling with gender identity issues? I, I mean, one thing, you know, no matter what issues of life, one, one of the greatest, um, you know, gifts of grace that we have is the church, right? It's the people that surround us, the community of people that surround us. So if I meet somebody who is battling with chemical addiction, for instance, it's great to be able to look around and find somebody who is walking in the victory of the gospel in those words that, that can come and put his arm around him or her and, and demonstrate how the gospel has worked its way out in that very specific thing. So in the same way, when we have, you know, great men and women of God who have battled through gender identity issues and have come through of how does the gospel speak to me? How have I been transformed by the renewing of my mind? And pointing them to those books, those articles, whatever, even for maybe those parents so that they have a better understanding of what their child is going through, um, become aware, you know, don't, don't just come out swinging. Don't, Don't just hit the panic button familiarize yourself with some of these because, man, just there are some great, great Christian contributions in both articles and books on this. Let the church do some of the heavy lifting for you. Because, again, you're not going to go to history because the, the church wasn't battling this, you know, yeah. a, a generation ago. But there are a lot of things out there. And I, I think but before we're done, we're going to talk about some of those resources. Sure. Yeah. But I, I would absolutely familiarize yourself. And I love what you said there, just not only books and resources, but pointing them to people, people. within the church. Like I'm, I, you mentioned uh, certain certain things that people struggle with, and I'm just, they're, they're people on a Sunday morning, if they come up to me for prayer, and they're dealing with a certain issue, like as they're talking to me, and I'm listening, I'm also looking with another eye, like who's the person in our congregation mm. that I can connect them with? And there's Amen. certain people in our congregation, I'm like, man, this person will be much better at, like, like having a conversation with you and loving you even more than I will because mm-hmm. they're more equipped for it. They've walked through it. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye out, eye out for the Joshes and the Bretts in our congregation mm-hmm. when somebody comes up saying, man, I'm struggling with this, and I'm, I'm just, like, running to those guys. Please, where can I find them, yeah, God? Because I think, man, that, what a great resource, just the people in our congregation. As you guys were talking, I was thinking of Second Corinthians 1, uh, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And I was just thinking about if you're listening to this and you are in the fire, you are in the midst of it with a child, a relative, a friend, a yourself, spouse, or if it's yourself, yourself. <laughs> yeah, yourself. You totally. are struggling with your own, um, yeah, your own sexual um, identity and and who you are. And I, I just think finding someone, mm-hmm. there is someone in the church who is struggling as well and who's gone through it. Godly men and women that have come through. Uh, whatever it is you're going through. And I, I think that with 
And so if you're, you're going through, one of the reasons you need to persevere in faith is because there's somebody else that's going to need your help. Mm, totally. And they're gonna, we're going to want to point to you and say, I don't, I don't know what the struggle you're going through, but I do know someone you should have coffee with. Dude, it, because I mean, both of our churches just went through Hebrews not long ago, right? I mean, Hebrews 11, this great hall of faith, and then you know what we're supposed to do is look to them as examples, right? And then you find the same thing in 1 Corinthians on the other side. Don't do what those idolaters did. Look back in the past. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, utilizing, you know, pointing people to that great cloud of witnesses, in, in this case, alive in our churches, you know, to say, no, have them come alongside you. It's the greatest, greatest gift, even for, again, those parents or friends that just need help persevering in that battle. Yeah. You utilize the church. And I think just encouraging conversation with those people, with somebody that you're not just stuffing those feelings down inside. Completely. You're not just stuffing the feelings as a parent where you've got a child struggling. Like, I mean, we've gone through our own parenting issues at times. And I mean, I've, I've talked to, I think, both of you about those at times. Mm-hmm. I remember crying with Mark one day just because we were having such a hard time. But to know that, man, Mark's walked through similar things at, at times, and I can run to him because he's been there. Mm-hmm. And, but just instead of like, I could have just stuffed all that down. I'm like, oh, I got to pretend everything's all right. I can't struggle in the church. I'm like, if you can't struggle in the church, where else are you going to struggle? Well, especially right? an issue like this, it is so new. And and you see so many Christians coming out so violently, mm-hmm. kind of oppositionally, you know, especially when it comes to policy and school issues, whatever. You can feel like, oh, that's not a safe place at all for me to say that that's actually going on under my rooftop, you know? <laughs> but you've got to push through that fear and absolutely call the church in to, to walk alongside you. I was just going to say that, yeah, you can even from my description earlier on, hey, how are you doing? And talking about my family and you're like, oh, if the teen years are that good, you know? And well, it was five years ago that one of my kids, we were on a family vacation and he's like, he just started crying. He's like, dad, our family vacation and our family feels like the public school lunchroom. Like people are fighting and, People are going crazy and, you know, just terrible. He wanted out. We were on family vacation and he wanted out of our family. Well, you, you've, you fight through those. Yes. We've been through, yes. we've been through hell in different areas of parenting. And you, you, you can't, that's where one of the lies is going to be, oh, they don't get it. You know, I right. have to, I have to go to the world because they're the only ones that understand my struggle. And it's like, no. Yeah, I may not have struggled with that specific thing, but I know what it's like to be a sinner who struggles 100%. with sin, and mm-hmm. and and there are people in the church sure. that have struggled. All right, so I do want to get super super practical here for a second. Um, I know this is a, a issue that's come up. I know people in our in at Veritas Cedar Rapids have struggled with this with with children. Um, how do you address? Uh, I'm just going to give an example. Like, how do you address your biological son that now identifies as a woman that's one example but we want to get really ground level here like and your and your child is wanting you to address them in a certain way now you know how they were born how would you help our churches navigate even that really practical thing it it's it's tough, Michael. I mean, I, I got to say that I, I think this is one of those kind of disputable matters, you know, sure, the first Corinthians totally. 10, term, yeah. that, that I, I, so what I'm about to say, I'm not saying this is the way because I, I know of one family, dear Christ loving family who has a son that is now identifying as a woman. 
they've chosen to go ahead and refer to their son now with female pronouns, et cetera, in order to keep the long game and to stay in orbit around his life and, and hopefully bring him uh, to the truth and, and grace of the gospel. For me as a parent, I don't think I would make that same decision, right? I, I think in love, <laughs> I would say, look, I was there when you came into this world. I have wrapped my arms and my love around you. I named you. And, and for now and always, that's who you will be, is that boy with this name. and that, You know what I mean? So I'm just saying that's, that's how I, because I feel like even if it's with tears, because I know how radically disappointing that is into his ears or her ears, I have to kind of hold the line and speak that kind of truth and grace and hopefully be that harbor and anchor of what's actually true, right, in their life and not somebody that, that helps them along what I, I believe to be a path of destruction. But, but again, I'm saying if, if people make a different choice, I'm not necessarily going to The reason I probably I would, feel— I would say, hold on real quick, Mark. Like, if you can't see in the room right now, Jeff literally has his hands up and <laughs> surrender. Like, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't—it's <laughs> just like—but I think I want you guys listening to this to hear the— Man, this is this is somewhat of a disputable matter here. Like, the Bible isn't like. I feel a little but, stronger okay. on yeah. it than Jeff does on that. Mm-hmm. Like, now, I, in in saying, because I think it's, if I had a child that struggled with anorexia, and they believed themselves to be morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, if you love me, you will kind of go along with this lie that I believe about myself. I, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I could not refer ever. To I think someone- the hardest thing, Mark, is that there's so many, like, in other words, the choice of pronouns is one of like maybe a dozen different fronts that they're putting you up. And so I think like the family I'm thinking of, yeah. They've just decided that's one of those lines in the sand that they were not yeah. going to die on in order to stay. But yeah. I totally it's, hear what you're saying. And I agree with you on yeah. I probably would, I whether it's a gray. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a that's a tough. I I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't condemn them over. The, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. You're you're right. It's 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 a very complicated. We all, we all as parents make complicated choices on how to keep totally. relationship with our kids who are making But do it choices. with compassion. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this publicly. We actually kicked our youngest son out of the home after he graduated from high school. Series of circumstances that this, this podcast is not about that. The day that he moved out, I went to help him put his stuff in the car. I would carry one box out to the car walk around the side of my house, cry my eyes out. He would see me again with bloodshot eyes as he knew that I was both helping him leave my house by my decision, you know, but that it was killing. It went against every instinct of my fatherhood to push him out in that way. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm just saying we sometimes make really hard decisions. Let them see that even if it's killing you to hurt them, you're also doing that because it's right and true and even for them, but it's crushing you as a father or mother to make that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, it makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. I, so, yeah, if you're, 
if you're listening to this, like this is a struggle. This is not an, just a super easy decision. And I know many of you are wrestling with it. Do it with love. Do it with compassion. Do it on your knees, begging Jesus to give you wisdom and discernment to know how to do it well, um, how to do it in, the, in community. Like, don't just try to do that on your own. I think it's really helpful, too. So, um, all right, we've talked about a lot here. Uh, again, probably opened up a lot of cans that we haven't <laughs> closed up at all. So uh, thanks for your grace as you're listening. <laughs> so because we've talked about a lot in a really short amount of time, what's one thing that you would love somebody listening to this to take away from this podcast, in our churches specifically? One thing I would say is master... Genesis 1 through 3, and root your worldview in the Bible, not in your newsfeed, not in whatever, you know, I mean, just going back to the Word, not in, in the podcast you're listening to, even this one, you know, it just hear us saying, like, we, uh, we need our thoughts to be God's thoughts, and we find those in the Word, and so I think, you know, thinking biblically, which will always tether truth with love. Because we're always going to see Genesis 1 through 3 through the cross, and we're going to stay anchored to the gospel as well. So, yeah, thinking, just mastering Genesis 1 through 3, but also um, thinking biblically about it. I guess I would say, too, um, man, you guys, think of this in terms of image bearers. We are re-encountering, again, Genesis 1, that every soul that you meet is made in the image of God. This is not primarily a policy issue, a government issue, an education issue. And I feel like right now God's church is so enamored with politics and so enamored with power grabbing and trying to, to push the tide back in, in human means. And I'm saying I, I, I appreciate parents that need to hold the line on a, a teacher that wants to introduce a certain textbook, whatever, of course. But I'm saying don't let that be the driving force. Let the driving force be that we believe Genesis 1, and these are image bearers, and let it be your compassion and your desire for a reconciliation to the Creator God. Let that be the presenting issue, even when it comes to transgenderism and these issues. And I would say from a, from a parenting perspective of, I've, I guess I'm the youngest kids here, um, I would say parents don't like wait to talk about Genesis one through three with your children until later. And later, I mean like, don't wait until they're eight, like, because they're learning at school, like really early about all this stuff. It's being celebrated. So like you need to start talking about being an image bearer, like really way earlier than you thought you would. And so I would just encourage you guys as parents, like start this conversation earlier open the door to this conversation, talking about identity in Christ, talking about how we were created, who they are in Christ. Um, so that would be one thing I would encourage you in. So um, last thing here, guys, um, what are some resources uh, that that our people can go to, uh, books, podcasts, whatever, websites, anything that would be able to help them beyond maybe the mess that we just created, mm. <laughs> potentially? I, I can start off just... Two that I would recommend, uh, especially because they come from two Christians who have battled sexual uh, deviation away from Genesis, right? So Sam Alberry, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, that's maybe one of his more recent ones. 
Uh, I think it's awesome. It's the, the tagline or whatever is how the gospel is good news for our physical selves that we can't make this distinction between, you know, the material and the immaterial. Anyway, I think it's wonderful. Sam Oliveri, what God has to say about our bodies. And then I think Jackie Hill Perry's gay girl, good God. Um, now that's specifically about, um, this w- woman who is practicing lesbianism now coming to Christ and now, uh, a teacher of the Bible. Um, but I, I think just her foundational, you know, retraining her mind after Genesis one, it, it's beautiful. And but from one who understands deeply those issues, last couple would be God in the transgender debate. Andrew Walker, fantastic. Uh, God in the transgender debate. Uh, actually, I'll just stop there. Those are the best ones, I think. Okay. Mark, anything from you? Yeah. The this is kind of the this topic for dummies. Just YouTube Rosaria Butterfield and watch anything she's said, lectures, whatever, uh, interviews, podcasts. Rosaria Butterfield is a great voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, guys. Uh, churches, whether it's Veritas, Iowa City, Veritas, Cedar Rapids, we are for you as elders and pastors. We are for the truth. We want to help walk alongside you in these really complicated issues. And we want to love and shepherd you in those times. So uh, hopefully this was helpful to you guys. Uh, We would love to continue the conversation uh, in person, obviously. Um, And many of our elders would love to do the same. All of our elders would love to do the same, not just many of them. (laughs) Guys, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, I know this can be a complicated topic to address at times, but uh, really grateful for Mark and Jeff for joining us today. Um, thanks for all your input. Thanks for your wisdom. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever forget the, just the, the moment of the tsunami and the, the strong tower to run to the Lord in the midst of this, Mark. And so, guys, thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yeah, thanks for letting us be here. For sure. All right, Veritas, uh, we will um, be back again to another podcast soon. And so until then, let's keep uh, growing as mature disciples, being everyday missionaries, and glorifying God in everything that we do. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.